he is out there. Somewhere. Waiting. human prey. Is there anyone there? Debbie. Why don't you leave me alone, will you? I'm not interested. I don't want to hear it. Creep. This is Brandon Ford, and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. I'm glad to have James Garibay here with me once again. Say hi, James. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Always good to be here. I'm very as glad as I am to welcome. have you for one of, or one of my all-time favorites. As I've told you before, this is in my top 10 slasher movies of all time, and you had never seen it before. I have not. And I was glad that you were pleasantly surprised. Me too. I mean, I'm always down for a good, you know, just suspense, you know, nothing really slashery, crazy, jump scare, you know, the, well, the 80s definition of horror. You know, I'm always good down for a simple suspense movie that kind of keeps you at the edge of your seat and like, ooh, what's happening? And ooh, oh, no. You know, those moments. I like it. Well, this one definitely has more psychological elements than yes. the slasher movies of its time. And it wasn't supposed to be anywhere near as gory as they as it ended up being uh, until uh, they brought in Tom Savini to do the special effects. But... Huh. It was supposed to so be was Tom Savini's work. a straightforward okay. psychological thriller. Um, and I mm-hmm. think you could still see that in the cat and mouse between Lauren Tweez's character and uh, John DeSanti's character. Right. Um, but really, I don't think it was like that gory. Well, the only really gory parts are the scene in, in the beach by the mud uh right and that the and the first girl's apartment at the at the beginning uh, the girl's yeah, apartment the decapitation well, you, see, you you don't really don't see all th- that much you just see yeah the the guy's neck but it's it's mainly the beach scene and the 
the gunshot at the end. Right. Like, there's a little bit of gore, and then there's, like, evil dead gory. <laughs> and this one was on the lighter end, so... It's still a yeah. it's still a damn good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, I'm glad. You know, just I'm because glad. there's not a whole lot of gore doesn't mean it's going to be a bad horror movie. No, and I definitely never went into like I, I I always was a slasher fanboy, but I never went into them wanting or expecting or hoping for gore. Right. So. Right, like gore has its place within the horror genre. But a story like this, it where it's, it as, you, as you mentioned, a cat and mouse game, you know, mm-hmm. this this story didn't really require a whole lot of it. So they did it. They did it in a very, very good way. So it's kudos sparingly. to the director. Yes. Yes. Ken, exactly. Ken Wiederhorn, I think, did a very good job. It's very, very stylistically directed and i think that uh, he also had some public um directing credits for pbs too. really mm-hmm. huh. so, well that's an interesting and, change yeah and he also directed i think seven episodes of freddy's nightmares oh my one of them has that's still something i have not seen well, you're not missing too much. But <laughs> one of them has uh, John DeSanti in it, who played uh, Stanley Herbert in Eyes of a Stranger. He oh, worked yeah? with him a few times. He worked with him in Eyes of a Stranger and Friday's Nightmares. And I think he was in... I think he was in Shockwaves, but I, I can't... I've never seen it, but Shockwaves is the movie that Ken Wiederhorn directed right before this one. It's the movie that they're watching on TV in the opening scene with Debbie. Uh, okay. When she gets the phone call. Yeah, I was wondering what she was watching. And then Lauren Tweez is watching it later at uh, her boyfriend's house. So he was so, getting a lot of mileage out of that movie. Right. He's kind um, of like giving himself a little before, nod. Before that one... Uh, Ken Wiederhorn directed a they were after Animal House there were a lot of uh, ripoffs uh, fraternity house type movies that had come out right. and uh, John DeSanti was in that one it's, it's, it's called Frat Boy some, something or other but uh John's character is a 40-year-old frat boy who's trying to perfect his farts or something along those lines. A complete 180 from the Stanley Herbert hmm. character that we see in Eyes of a Stranger. But Right. Sounds a little silly. Before we get into the movie, you have some news. Do I? Well, you just shared it with me, and I thought you'd like to share it on the podcast because it's—I think you should be very proud of yourself. Oh, yeah! I got my final grades for the semester. I got all A's, you know. So, whoop de doo! But anybody who knows me knows that I was not the best student when I was growing up. I hated school, wanted nothing to do with school, didn't care about the importance of it. 
So now that I've actually got some kind of direction for my life, I actually really care about school. So it's kind of nice. It's nice maintaining a good grade point average. So hopefully I'll get into University of Texas and then my future can truly begin. Well, I have all confidence in you. And once again, congratulations. I appreciate that. Score. I appreciate that. I think you're going to go places in this world, James. Just I know. I can't wait me. tables anymore, and I don't want to. I will not. I will not. Oh, and I completely forgot to tell you last time. Um, my The interview that I did with you has been posted on the ACC Star. So anyone out there listening who would like to hear just a little five-minute interview with myself and Brandon, um, just go to acc.org, I believe, and just search in my name, James Garibay, G-A-R-I-B-A-Y, and it'll bring up two articles. One is a podcast, and that's the one to click on. There you go. Anything else going on? Go with journalism. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, not really. Just chilling, enjoying my couple of days off. I think yeah. I'm going to do a, a little Resident Evil marathon because through the streaming services, I think they're all available and I always lost track after the third one. So I think I'm actually going to sit down and dedicate myself to it. I've never seen any of them. They're fun. They're silly. It's like post-apocalyptic zombies. You know, zombies take over the earth, and Mila Jovovich is the main the main star of it all, and she's just a badass. Mm. But yeah, that that I think that would be fun to do because it's it's horror adjacent. So maybe in the future, maybe. Yeah, I always had got those <laughs> confused those. Um... And Tomb Raider confused for some reason. I have no idea why. Okay. <laughs> and I've, That's I'm, funny. Andrew I've actually never made that joke earlier when there was so. a scene. <laughs> uh, they're fun. They're fun. I would recommend them. Yeah. I mean, don't go in expecting, you know, fantastic films, but, you know, some to kill a couple hours. You'll have a good time. Yeah, this is at the time of this recording. James is between semester, so he's got some time off, so he can do some binging. Yes, and play some video games. My goodness, how I miss them! Well, although uh, I'm not a huge gamer, uh, a but book, I have my go-to's. A book would be good too. Books are good. Yes, yes, I do have plenty of those that I still have to pick up, but yeah. Don't tell me what to do, Brandon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I'm teasing. But see, that that just jarred me. And now I, I lost my train of thought. I'm very sensitive. James. I'm That's sorry. Oh, I was going to say, um, hopefully um, I have to get around to uh, sending you that Dario Argento movie that I told you about. Um the Stendhal syndrome. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have that written down somewhere. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I don't think, I don't think it is, um, at least not, uh, without having to pay for it, but 
Right. I can send it to you because I have the Blue Underground version. And um, I definitely do need to branch out a bit more on the podcast with foreign cinema. And Argento is, I think, a good place to start. So. I think so. I would also like to do some French uh, horror films. Um, did the French even have, have ever... horror films? Did you just say do the French have horror films? Yes, yes, I did. So you're unfamiliar with the new French extremity. The French have done some of the most extreme horror films of all time. Hmm. Well, that's See, probably why, why I haven't checked him out. This is why I have to have you on the show, James, because you need some serious schooling. You may be doing well in your teachings in, in real school, but in slasher school, you're falling behind. I know, I know. But there's Martyrs, and there's Frontiers, and there's Irreversible, and there's High Tension, and there's Raw... And there's... I heard about you know, Raw. I've been curious Raw about that Raw is really one. good. I know I've wanted to see High it's Tension. Really my good. friend... Yeah. My friend Raina told me all about High Tension. And I've, like, I've seen it in passing so many times over the years, but I just I never sat down to watch it. I don't know. Mm. I have a love-hate relationship with that movie, but that's, that's another story for another time. Yeah. Uh, tonight is about Eyes of a Stranger, and the at the time of this recording, the Shout Factory Blu-ray just came out, uh, came out yesterday. This is, what is today, the 19th, May 19th, we're recording this. So this probably yes. won't be posted until sometime in July, because... I just finished uploading all of the commentaries for John Waters June. So, yeah, I'm getting things together for July. And the first feature commentary should be Phenomena. So, uh, but cool, yeah. Cool. So, the Blu-ray just came out. And since... James doesn't have it. We are using the DVD edition, which should be fine if you want to watch along. I believe, from what I could tell, the Blu-ray edition has the old-timey Warner Brothers logo at the very beginning. And on the DVD edition, there's nothing. It just starts out with a black screen and then gets into the movie. So... If you want to watch along, yes. just have it paused at the black screen and we should be good. So, are you ready, James, to get started? I am. All right. So, we are going to begin as we usually do with a three, two, one count. So, here we go. Three, two, one, play. I was 
watching the interview with the director on on the Blu-ray and he was saying how how cool it was especially for a movie like this that they actually had a full orchestra to do the score really yeah and that's all, awesome yeah and generally with a movie like this they would, it would be all synthesized but all this right here this is all done by a full orchestra yeah and it's a that's very awesome it's a when very did... subtle, but it's uh, it's effective. It's it's uh, it's unnerving. I think it's ominous. Well, yeah, it's... because with an orchestra, you can actually, you know, what's the word like segment the different instruments, you know, to get that that feeling, you know, that you know, like right off the bat, that suspense feeling, mm-hmm. and it's something that you don't really get a whole lot when they're synthesizing music you know it's just synthesizing it's like it's it can sound cool and it has its place but you know i just i always i've always loved the the sound of a full orchestra just just because of that like every every music every instrument every note is just so clear and like you know it's it's a lot more impactful it's also a lot more expensive true true but i mean it's money well spent in my opinion and that's well, funny the old school um teleprompters for the tv station no oh my god <laughs> god this is like way before my time and that's how it was now was this i know it came out in 81 but was it being filmed like in 1979 or 80 or something it was shot in 80 okay i believe it was shot in early 1980 because they the director did say that it was shot in the winter and so i guess it was early 1980 and he said he was very happy to be in florida or miami in the winter because he's from right. New York and um, so what happened was Paramount had a big hit with Friday the 13th and that was independently produced and then they bought it and because they right. had uh, so much success with that they were they were going to uh, pick up this one and then warner brothers paid a few bucks more for it i think they paid the director said they paid two and a half or three million dollars for the rights to distribute it wow um but warner brothers distributed friday the 13th overseas interestingly enough in Did they the really? foreign territories but here it's paramount but yeah, yeah I, so I had no idea. But Warner Brothers bought bought this and then they sat on it for about a year, close mm-hmm. to a year. And when it was finally released toward the end of 1981, the slasher boom was coming to a close. The the slasher 
movie was at its well, peak how is in 1981. That, how is that possible? Because, I mean, like, wasn't the 80s is like full of slashers. Like, wasn't it just, wouldn't it, wasn't it just getting off the ground, like, by 81? Yes. Because, like, you, were... you had the success of Friday the 13th, and then, like, that same, within a year, you know, part two comes out. And then... They weren't as commercially as uh, they weren't as commercially successful. Okay. They became less and less profitable as the eighties went on. This in 1981, due to Friday the Thirteenth, was when the slasher movie was at its peak and when they were raking in all the money. Mm -hmm. And then, as the eighties went on, I think Friday the Thirteenth was pretty much really the only cash cow um as far right. as this, and then by until you get to 1984 <laughs> well yeah and then by 1988 paramount felt that uh friday the 13th had run its course and uh sold it to yeah um, and also like the like that was when also when the MPAA was just like, you know, chopping up every single horror movie left and right to where they were just not really any good. You know? Oh, and speaking then... of which, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, but I wanted to mention that when I first saw, when I, I, I first saw this on video, it was a rental and it, I saw it in the horror section for the longest time and I always resisted it because it had such a bland cover. It was it wasn't even a cover, it was just a, a lobby card uh, image of Lauren Twee's on holding a phone. And it just had the title in a very generic font. And I picked it up and I really enjoyed it and then I special ordered it from Blockbuster on VHS and from their distributor and I got uh, the slip sleeve cover with the phone booth image that was the main marketing uh, ad uh, campaign mm -hmm. but that version was cut uh, some of the gore was cut primarily the beach scene that we were talking about earlier uh -huh. And one of the main this when this was released on DVD, that was one of the main things that because it was released in a box set called the Twisted Terrors Collection with uh, Doctor Giggles and the Hand and from from Beyond the Grave mm -hmm. and someone's watching me. And one thing that Warner Brothers announced was that all of Tom Savini's original gore effects would be reinserted back into the film and so one of the things that i noticed that was added was the scene when the killer um jams the switchblade into the guy's throat in the old vhs one that i had he didn't twist it it he just jammed it in and then it cuts to the next moment. Um, okay. 
and when Jeez, the woman so, so, they, so this, they got their hands on video yeah and when the woman's throat is slit um it's not as bloody on the vhs but um going back to the cisco and ebert um uh, review that i was talking about when we, before we started recording uh siskel referenced that scene because it's probably the most notorious one in the movie. He mentioned the twisting of the knife. So apparently when it was released theatrically, that scene or that moment was in the movie. But it was cut out on video. Ah, that's some bullshit. And that's something that I didn't know anything about. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's crazy to think that they did so much to... Do I? I was just going to say this actress does a really good job here, oh. I think. <laughs> yeah, she, does, she doesn't do a bad job. Like I kind of feel bad for her, even though she's I, yeah. you know, a nobody in the in the overall story. But yeah, when I was watching this, I was mostly talking shit about the cop. <laughs> you know, well, it's like, oh yeah, we'll be by tomorrow morning. It's thing, fine. It's fine. Well, they had also been inundated with calls. Because of the stuff that had been reported on the news. Right, right. I get it. I totally get it. And you know, but she should have been like, hey, no, like there's some dude on the phone saying he's gonna kill me. Please send somebody. I think if the the murders hadn't been going on, they probably would. Right. Because a a a death threat is a pretty big deal so um well yeah but i mean murders or no like i think she should have mentioned like hey no he said he's going to kill me you know like when like when a stranger calls the original (laughs) well i don't think she said he he said he's gonna kill me but no she didn't she didn't he asked her if he threatened if he threatened her and she said yes well right but, she but i mean didn't, and she didn't go yeah far. but i mean like the threat that there's like there's like a whole window of threats you know i mean uh, she should have she should have been a little more specific a like, little but <laughs> When you're in that position, I yeah yeah I know it's like kind of hard. You're not to... thinking straight, and you're just kind of panicked. You're just kind of grateful that somebody said something to calm you down. Yeah. Ooh, the meat cleaver. Also, but <laughs> I'm not putting blame also, on anybody. It's yeah, just you know, funny. <laughs> in the, the when I first saw it. That scared the shit out of me. I nearly jumped out of my skin. (laughs) The deformed face. (laughs) Well, that creepy mask. And what? also, and the way it just it 
it's right in the fucking screen. <laughs> but um, I think what I think was an interesting choice by the director was the killer wears puts the mask on later after he kills the boyfriend because mm. when the boyfriend comes to the door he has the mask on and he's very much not a threat and he's just playing a joke and then right. when the killer is in the house he's wearing the mask and it takes on a whole different meaning I suppose right. um, I was gonna oh i was gonna say too um the on the blu-ray the historian who did the commentary with justin kurzweil said that she did she made a good point in that she said the women in the movies in this movie rather who end up being the victims they aren't necessarily stupid or they don't do stupid things right before they're killed like women generally do in, yeah. in slasher movies like she calls the police and then you have the secretary who gets out of the building and makes plans to go over to visit her girlfriend so right. they are very much trying to eliminate themselves they're trying to get themselves out of the situation. They're trying to get out of the Exactly. Yeah. And I want to say this about this, um, this scene with the head in the fish tank. For the longest, longest time, I was convinced <laughs> that was fake. I thought that... Because it, look, it looks a little too real. Mm-hmm. I always thought that it was like one of those backgrounds that you put in the fish tank that right. have like the. Um, no, that's really him in there. Really? That is really. He is under the. What is it? He's under. He's in the bookcase, whatever that was that the yeah. fish tank was on. And his head is in the tank. And. Now, was they, his head like in a. A tube so he can breathe and the water's around that tube or is he God. actually in the water he was in the water wow and what they did was they uh he would take breaths with a, a scuba tube yeah and uh tom savini helped do the effect and he was standing by with a sledgehammer and uh, to break the glass in case anything went wrong right but and he did. They did the same thing in. I don't know if you've ever seen Creep Show, but which one, Creep Show? Um, when uh, Ted Danson gets buried up to his neck in the sand, um, mm. they did the same thing. He's his. He was in a, a fish tank as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they hired this guy because. He was a nightclub singer, and he had really good breath control, mm -hmm. so he could hold his breath for a long time. That's awesome. You know, you could help me solve a big. And jeez, I thought, yeah, I thought that was fake. So that's. Damn, I had no idea. Plenty of space. And you I mean, that's actors that are dedicated, right there, and want to give it their all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't seen Creepshow in forever. I should watch that. That's one that I wanted to do, but I didn't want to do by myself because it's it's like right at the two-hour mark. Right. We have the introduction of Lauren Twees here, who I think does an excellent job mm -hmm. in the movie. She does. She does. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen her in a whole lot, um, but you know, I enjoyed her performance. Like I, like this movie has some some really good actors, you know, and they all probably really cared about the project and what they were doing and wanted to do a really good job. Like even her boyfriend, you know, like he's not he's not hateable. But when he, when she brings him the muddy shoe and he's like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? She's like, dude, come on. Don't be like that. So. He could have been a little more supportive. But I think that is another, another note to uh, show that the women are, are smarter. Right. Than the men in this movie. Right. Because she takes it upon herself to track this guy and to get proof. Yeah, no shit. Like, she she jumped down a balcony. Oh my that God. part was hilarious. That's... And she just she just walks into the old couple at breakfast. She's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if that's not feminism, I don't know what is. Yeah. But... No politics. <laughs> no. But so she's is... coming home in a dark garage. And one thing that I, now, if you saw I somebody like changing it's... out of a out of a red shirt, go ahead. I was just gonna say um, the one of the main things that I think makes this movie so such a standout in the in the slasher genre. Is because they made the killer such an everyman, right. even down to his name. Stanley, what is it, Stanley Herbert? Stanley Herbert. Oh Lord, I know. And then when you see him in his everyday life, he's doing such mundane things, like he's coming back from the grocery store or doing laundry or whatever. He's he's very right. much like somebody that would be a serial killer you know yeah like picking up his dry cleaning i mean that's that's what john wayne gacy did you mm -hmm. know he was he was just an everyday guy you know man of the neighborhood and long and behold he was doing these horrible things yeah and this guy here he's you know a very average looking guy he's got a bit of a belly and he's not he's a big guy but he he doesn't really look like somebody that you should be afraid of necessarily. Right. But if I saw somebody like throwing away their teeth, throwing away their shirt, curiosity is going to get the better of me and I'm going to go investigate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For sure. His actions, but I'm, I'm just talking about him physically. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he, you know, he, running errands, he, working, picking up his dry cleaning, like it's 
like you said, an everyman, everyday person. He definitely does, though, do some things that are a little sketch, like this and that uh, with the shirt and that. um, And then he has a scene later where... Uh, or no, that was the scene just now where he does he doesn't have the belt because he choked right. he choked the girl with it. Debbie. Yeah. Oh, and here's Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. God, she was so young. She was so young, and she's so good. She's so good in this movie. And she's not in it a whole lot either, but her role is just so memorable and so crucial to the overall story mm-hmm. i mean just like looking at her like it's just you really believe that she's blind yeah her mother was on the set for a few weeks when she right before she turned uh 18 Oh, yeah? Because they started shooting when she was 17. So I don't know how long the shoot was, but her mother was on set for, I think, two or three weeks. And then when they saw, you know, that things were professional and that she wasn't in any danger of being taken advantage of. then That's cool. So she wanted to, like, go and keep an eye on her. Because she's originally... Yeah. Because she's... They're they're originally from... um, California, because her her father is uh, was uh, Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow, Vic Morrow. I know that name. The guy from uh, the Twilight Zone movie who got killed. Mm. The helicopter. Okay. Aww, <laughs> she's so pretty. <laughs> Although, what's up with that painting on the wall of three lemons? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just there's just like a random painting. It's just three lemons. Is that like a, a little nod of saying, like, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade? I don't think anybody was thinking that. Oh, everything. It was probably just poor set decoration. Everything's done for a reason. You know this. But she is living my dream. I would love to live in a high rise in Miami. (laughs) I'll give you the high rise. I would love to live in a high rise in general. Yeah. Um, But in Miami is so beautiful. It is, but it's Florida so friggin' humid all the time. You know. I'll take the heat over the cold any day. I just want to live in a place where there's four solid seasons. I don't want seasons. I I want the shitty one. (laughs) You know, I can deal with snow if it's, you know, doesn't freeze everything over and everybody loses power for two weeks. But, you know, I don't know. That's just me. Hmm. So, Tracy does the laundry. I don't really think that anybody, as far as the act, well, I don't even think the director either was 
too happy with the movie, the final uh, product. Really? How come? Well, like I said before, it, it was originally supposed to be a psychological thriller, and then because of the slasher boom, they added, they brought on Tom Savini to do some special effects um, and to make it bloodier. Mm-hmm. And that was not the director's decision. That was coming from the producers. And right. Um, Tom spoke with the director on the phone, I think the night before he was supposed to come to set. And he said to the director, so how many gallons should I bring? <laughs> and the director thought for a minute and he gallons. Did the re- director and know what he, he meant? He didn't at first. And then he was like, oh, no. How bloody are they going to make this movie? Right. Because he didn't, he didn't want that. Mm-hmm. But it went through the as it is explained in the in the commentary and in interviews the movie was passed from several different hands passed to mm-hmm. several different hands so there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen okay. in this one and ultimately that should ruin a project right. but all things considered, I think this turned out really, really well. But because nobody really knew what kind of movie that they were going to end up make, make um, they were going, they were ending up making. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the actors, they weren't too happy with it. I think jennifer jason lee said something along the lines of she doesn't like the movie but she's proud of her performance well and that can be the case you know like not everything you're gonna make is gonna be a winner but as long as you do your best and you know do well with what you're given i mean i think this movie turned out great Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably... now look here. Do you see? Is this the scene where he pulls her in the car? Yeah, this is the flashback. She's she's walking up to the house, and the two older girls are telling her to wait on the steps. Now Which look I, closely. I don't know why. At the guy. That's Tell me if because I can't remember if you, you get much of a look at him. Are you? Don't really. Um, it's kind of obscured, and he's wearing sunglasses. But I mean, through the overall story, it's very well implied that it could have been Herbert. And isn't it the same car? It's similar. Um, Herbert drives a Cadillac. This is like um, like a Mustang or something, mm. something Ford. But yeah. It's very well implied that it could be, but an actual answer, yes or no, is not given. I... Yeah, and that... he's, like, moving... He's moving too fast to get, like, a really, a, a clear image of the guy, of the kidnapper. That was the way I, I always interpreted it. Yeah. 
nobody else seems to have had that interpretation and i don't even know if it was intended necessarily yeah i mean it's very well implied it could be you know i i think it it makes sense for it to be him than for it not to be him yeah because this guy was the source of such trauma Mm -hmm. it would only make sense for him to trigger something else that reverses it you know it's kind of like it's kind of like amnesia in a way and you know you never know what piece of your of your past is going to trigger your your memory right revert the whole thing um i don't remember what the condition is that tracy gets but it is a real thing uh it's it's psychosomatic yeah i mean i don't know the actual medical term but it's yeah i was just about to say a psychosomatic effect from some some from some massive trauma from a massive trauma yeah Yeah. and thankfully we don't know what he did to her but whatever it was it must have been pretty visceral for her to to be as traumatized as she ended up being but well, yeah i mean i mean she was like what maybe 10 years old I and think she she's gets kidnapped and beaten and probably molested still oh, i don't think there's any probably about yeah that. i mean she was she was just a little girl yeah she's just a little girl and yeah but again um showing uh, uh, the, uh, the women in the movie being smarter than the men Mm-hmm. She's blind and deaf, and look how self-sufficient she is. Right. You know, right. She's doing the laundry. She's cooking breakfast. She's making coffee. I know, and she's communicating with her mother. You know, her sister. That's her sister. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was her mother. Okay, so she was the one who told her to wait on the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I thought that was her mother. Okay, well, you know, I learned something new. <laughs> yeah, so I wondered why she called her Jane at the end. Yeah. So Jane was the old is the older sister. You know, she was you know trying to be cool with her friends, and she didn't right. want her little sister nagging her yeah. long, so she made her wait outside, and she right, blames right. herself for um because it for what happened it, yeah what, it, it was her fault um yeah. but and that is the one of the main reasons why she wants to see herbert brought to justice right she wants to protect um tracy and that just brought on a whole new level nice yeah because i seriously you know thought that it was you know like i mentioned her mom the whole time but you know well she's a little young now 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 it makes more sense yeah well yeah but now it makes more sense that you know she 
she was so headstrong about catching this guy, not just for what happened to Tracy, but for what to keep to keep from happening to anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and thankfully Tracy w- was brought back alive, traumatized, but she was alive. And but these women, they're getting killed in very vicious ways. This I don't think makes any sense right here. Because he's playing... And this is the second movie that we're doing that has a cuckoo clock in it, by the way. Mm -hmm. Which I think is unusual, because remember there was a cuckoo clock in Phenomena. Oh, yeah. But uh, he's playing the, the, the little melody that's in the cuckoo clock mm-hmm. which means that he's home in his apartment but then he's in the parking lot so there's a little continuity huh. issue right there yeah well I mean maybe he travels with the cuckoo clock with him <laughs> perhaps <laughs> but how uh, is he calling from like a phone in the garage or something in the garage of the apartment building? Uh, no, of the the building where she's at. With the clock? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to put the pieces together. And if we're if we're dissecting, you know, how how is he going to call a phone in an elevator? He's not going to know it. He's not going to have access to that number. No. <laughs> Some things you just got to roll with it. I know. I know. But that's that's half the fun, you know. Just. <laughs> but getting back to Jane's, basically her her whole mission in life is to keep Tracy safe after what happened to her. Yeah. But one of my favorite moments is when she is in toward the end when she's in Stanley's apartment and she's trying to acquire more evidence and she looks through the window and she sees that he's there yeah with Tracy and the panic on her face and the way she screams oh yeah um because she's fought so hard and so long to keep Tracy safe and it's like she steps out for a minute I know. and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to fail her again Mm-mm. oh poor lady I really felt bad for her you know because she's I don't know who she is but I mean she's killing it no pun intended mm. But you know, like that hair. Oh my god! <laughs> it was the transitional phase of the seventies to the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she. Yeah. <sighs> Goodness. And she doesn't even have uh, a bloody death at all. You don't even. She gets killed off screen. Mm-hmm. Because she just gets pulled into the back seat, so right. Her- but it's funny because um, the horns honking, but and he's already like grabbing her bag, but her feet are like nowhere near the horn to be pushing it. Mm. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> we have more continuity errors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but even then, it doesn't take anything away from the movie. It's still. I, 
You know, like I mentioned, I enjoyed this movie. I always love My favorite subgenre is the psychological horror. Mm -hmm. See? Like, she... there's no part of her body that's near the horn and it's honking. <laughs> ah, poor lady. What's the boyfriend's name? David? David, yes. Okay. I like how he's just like so captivated on how self-sufficient self Tracy is. Yeah, and how she's able to do these kinds of things like uh, uh, laps. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a puppy cool. behind him. I didn't see. Maybe this guy And he asks her, he says, how does she make that turn? And the best way Jane could explain it is it's like putting your shoes on without looking, meaning she just knows. Right. It's just after so long, it becomes like instinct, nature, muscle, muscle memory. They'd run out of space in no time. So what else? His shirt. It had stains on it. So maybe a slob. Look, if I were defending this guy, I could have him out of jail before the judge ever banged his gavel. But that's one thing I just... Like, this part right here, like, he's trying... Like, yeah, he's, you know, being all legal and everything. But at the same time, it's like he's siding with Herbert. You know? Like, no, like, you need to have your girlfriend's back on this. I promised myself that I'd never let anything happen to Tracy again. It's hard to take his side, but I think that part of it is him believing that Jane is being just paranoid because of Tracy. Right. Right. Um, but, I mean, he should he should be smart enough to see, like, he, he obviously knows something happened... He should know at this point, if, depending on how long they've been together, because they've obviously been together for a minute. So, I mean, he should know a little bit about what happened and why she's so headstrong about this, you know? And I, I think that he does, but he doesn't fully understand. Right. And like in the beginning of the movie, when he's trying to get Jane to move in with him, mm -hmm. he doesn't understand what a huge change that would be for Tracy because she being both blind and deaf, she's very much accustomed to her surroundings. Right. Um, she's adjusted. She knows where things are. Like she has her routine. Her she life. has her routine. Yeah. And by relocate, relocating to a, a different apartment, different building, She's starting all over again. And that's incredibly difficult to do when you have a disability. Right. Especially a disability like that. Right. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. I don't understand why this grown-ass man and this grown-ass woman are having sex in a car like they're fucking 16. I know, car sex is so difficult. 
And especially if you're in the front. <clears throat> Something's gonna get jammed somewhere where it does not belong. Just saying. Well, it's been a while for me. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you'd want to gear shift up your butt. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. No, Maybe I'm just saying that they're they're clearly adults. Why aren't they in a bed like normal people? Yeah, maybe they're unless trying they're, to get some spice into their into their relationship, or unless they're cheating on their significant others. Yeah, dude, don't do that. Don't go over there. Don't, don't. Okay, you're dead. Yeah, and you didn't get that. Ooh, swell. You didn't get that swell with the horn after he jams the mm -hmm. knife in and twists it on the VHS. So it just, he jams it into his neck and then it cuts. Like within this. seconds? Like a split second? It just, he just jams it in and, it, and right away. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty brutal. But again, like it, like the gore doesn't, you know, linger on. You know, anywho, I think it was a good amount for this for this type of movie. <laughs> for a second, I thought that she was going to like survive, you know, like keep that's what trying. that's what they were saying. And the commentary, um, they thought that maybe there was a chance because of this that she lives. Yeah. Which, I mean, you could, but you would have to keep, you know, pressure. pressure on your neck hardcore and get help immediately. But. Yeah, it's like in that movie, um, Better Watch Out. Have you seen that? Better Watch Out. Better watch out. Yes, yes. Yeah, I like that the, one. Uh, that one's fun. The uh, the girl gets her her throat slit and she uses the tape that she was bound with to mm -hmm. keep the wound closed. Yeah, smart. <laughs> yeah, it was very smart. And that was never that was that wasn't um, ever something I'd seen in a movie before. Indeed, you know people give that one a lot of shit. I mean, it's nothing really? great, but it's fun. It's I've a fun only Christmas heard a lot movie. Of, uh, good stuff about that yeah. one yeah i mean there's more there's more positive than negative but there are it's probably about like 75 percent of people like it and then then the last quarter people don't but you know the people that don't that hate it they really hate it mm. um what's her name lauren tweez Mm -hmm. Has she what, has she done anything like TV or movie wise since this? I don't know, know if she she's has, from? but I don't know what else. If there's anything that I that I'd have seen, I know she's from Love Boat, but um, but I you know I'm a '90s kid. I didn't grow up with the Love Boat. No, uh, I think. Well, she had a pretty severe drug problem in the 80s, and I think that put the kibosh on her acting career. Aww. Oh, she was in the Doom Generation. Huh. 
Was she? That's random. They just yeah. Um, TV anchor woman. <laughs> That's funny. I have not seen that movie in years. Let's see. Um, Martin. <laughs> she was on an episode of Martin. Yeah, and the weird science TV show. Who's the boss? So okay, so a lot of TV. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Not, not many movies. Hmm. Lots and lots and lots of TV, which you know that's great. You know, keep working, stay busy, make that paycheck. Couple of video she's, games. She's still doing stuff. Um. This, the latest one is Potato Dreams of America. She plays oh. a woman, Nina uh, Ivanova. Ivan Ivanovna. Ivanovna. Okay. That's... Uh. Okay. <laughs> and what year was that? Uh, this year. Uh, came out March 16th. It's a biography, comedy, drama. Director and writer Wes Hurley. Autobiographical dark comedy about a gay boy growing up in the Soviet Union, his mail order bride, mother, and their adventurous escape to America. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> the Doom Generation, though, that surprised me. I know, right? And that's one that not a lot of people have heard of. It's a very gritty movie. Yeah. I remember I, I saw it on HBO when I was like, I don't know, 10, 9. And I was just like, what am I watching? But there was like two dudes kind of getting it on on screen. So I was all, so I was all about it. And then, I, then you see Rose McGowan before she was the big Rose McGowan. I'm like, okay, this chick is going to go places. Um, a couple years, her a year later, she was in Scream. I assume you're familiar with uh, Zach Spears. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me see. Well, Zach Spears is, was he retired uh, gay porn star, and he played. Um, I think he played a doorman in the Doom Generation under his real name. Hmm. Zach Spears, huh? Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell, he's muscly. Uh, yeah, I used to enjoy him. <laughs> wow, 6-2. The juice machine is jammed again. Can you help me out? No problem. Jimmy se encarga de eso en un 2 por 3 I'll open it for you. Oh, thank you. This, I don't... Oh God. I don't know what the hell he's doing here with the... He's speaking, he speaks in Spanish and then he translates. 
No, oh, my goodness. Yeah, nobody's gonna do that. They're gonna be like, okay, let's go fix this thing. Let's go get you your juice. <laughs> I'm just gonna blame it on the 80s. Well, yeah, but he, this is something that's been happening a lot. So she has her way in because uh, the machine is continuously getting fucked up. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. But still, like he's and the, she knows, and the she building knows, supervisor. Yeah, she knows him. So, so she's trustworthy. She's trustworthy. <laughs> yep. Until she goes and breaking and entering spree. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> I'm gonna act like you didn't just say that. Oh, I say that all the time. Get used to it. Oh my god, that TV. It's such like an OCD apartment. I would assume he would be. Yeah. Looking around, looking around. She, oh god, who does she remind me of? Um, uh, God, I can't place her name and it's going to come to me after we're done. Uh, God, but she reminds me of some 80s actress. Meg Ryan? No, not Meg Ryan. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of it. It'll come to me and I'll, I'll probably shout it out later. <laughs> But another thing that they talk about in the commentary, um, and it's it's one of my favorite scenes too, is the scene when she turns the tables on him and she and she messes with him on the phone. Mm -hmm. That's such a great scene. <laughs> But then she gives herself away uh. over the over the air. <laughs> I love the long cigarette that she's smoking <laughs> during that scene. She only starts smoking when the tension is heightened. Mm -hmm. You see her smoking twice. You see her smoking in that scene, and I think that's be that was because she's really she was nervous, right? And the scene when um, she is at the news desk and she was asking about the cuckoo clock. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I think that was to show that the smoking was something new. Like she's, it sounds like she's in this investigation now and it's like a way to, I don't know. Study your nerves a bit. Yeah. Which <laughs> a cigarette addict is not gonna, <laughs> not gonna have their nerves soothed that quickly, but she's not an addict. So, <laughs> well, she was in real life, <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 
Originally conceived, conceived and shot as more of a straightforward thriller, partway through production, it was decided to embrace the then-current slasher genre and introduce more gore and violence. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's first major role in a theatrical feature. Uh, gruesome murders in this film had to be toned down in order to secure an R rating from the MPAA. Wow. So that that leads me to believe that Siskel and Ebert saw it before it got classified in MPAA. Maybe. Because if they saw the knife get twisted, they were not... Um, they were seeing an un the uncut version. So they probably saw it as a this is, preview. Yeah. I mean, it's just so crazy how the standards and definitions changed over the years. Because, I mean... By today's standards, this movie is really tame. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's... and But by 80s standards, like, they would freak out over the new Evil Dead. Like, that, that would have gotten an X rating. Oh, here's a fun uh, one. The movie incurred the wrath of feminists who picked the, who picked the film because its apparent misogynistic treatment of women picketed the film. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when people pick at films. All right. It's like the, um, who was it? Glad picketed uh, Basic Instinct because of the portrayal of lesbians in the movie. Oh, my God. It's like, dude, get a freaking life. You know, like if you have time to make bad picket signs and go stand outside of a theater for hours on end or movie stores or whatever you you need a life because it's just a movie there are things in movies that i don't agree with but yeah either i don't watch them or i just make a commentary and bitch and moan about it there you go like a normal person <laughs> I don't. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was flown flown in as a last minute replacement for another actress once filming had begun. Yeah, hmm. I wonder who the other actress was. I don't know, but the director the director talked about that in the interview. He said that the main reason why he fired her was because she was late to rehearsals twice. Wow. It was when they were first getting started, and he said that if she's not going to be responsible and offered to take this seriously, then she's got to go. Yeah. One time, okay. Two, yeah, you can't be trusted. So this is the scene where you first hear smoking. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't want to answer the follow-up questions. Oh, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, they had to put that in for um, Savini. All right. The effects for that. I was never a fan of that one. Yeah. I like the new one, though. I've heard a lot of people do like the new one. It's... Like the, they really upped the ante with it. It's like the, that was the movie that they wanted to make back then, but they couldn't. So. Gotcha. I remember when it was oh first announced that um, they were doing the remake. Um, 
people, a lot of the hardcore hard, uh, fans were in an uproar on the message boards. And yeah, I mean, trying to boycott it. I mean, I think George Romero would have been proud. Well, didn't he participate in it? I think so. I thought so. Let's find out. Well, he made several other geez. installments in the dead films, like Land of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. and mm-hmm. They're all supposedly terrible. Um, George Emmer was one of the writers on it, and James Gunn. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, and it was directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> James Gunn, I think that is what got him uh, slither or might have been the other way around well has it ever occurred to you that your mr herbert just may be innocent what can't believe you're doing this the dawn of the dead remake the success of it i think that's what got james gunn slither oh it, it got him sliver gotcha i was trying to figure out what you were saying there <laughs> okay cool cool i actually never saw slither like I saw the, I saw the trailer and just like worms or something like that, like going into your mouth. Yeah, that's just, ugh, that's gross. Yes, worms, slugs, same difference. <laughs> They're slimy little creatures and they go into you. It's just all. Oh. Well, I just remember seeing the trailer and thinking to myself um yeah i'm pretty sure i saw this movie before and it was called night of the creeps <laughs> so i'm gonna pass thanks <laughs> i still never seen well no i think i tried to watch it and i was like um this is stupid yeah But the best living dead movie of all time is Night, 1960s. Because it's black and white, it's creepy, and just everything about that movie is just wonderful. Ooh, she bought the gun. There was um, a scene that was written. Um, I don't know if it was shot or not, but um, a scene in which she actually goes to the shop to buy it. But oh, yeah? I don't think that the director thought it was necessary. I think they thought it, it slowed the pace down. It may have, depending on, I don't know, time length or whatever. But, I mean, this movie is really well paced. Like, there's no scene that drags on mm-hmm. too long and that they keep... They try to keep the story going at a fluid pace. And I know it's you. I know what you Another did last summer. Another thing I love summer. about this scene <laughs> is 
After. Sorry, I had to make that joke. Let's talk about you. I think I love about this scene after she she says that she knows what he's doing. The way he walks up and down the hall and he drags his finger along the wall because he doesn't know what to do with himself. Right. It's like very, front. it's very creepy. It is. He's like beside himself. He's like, oh shit, someone knows. Someone knows. <laughs> now what am I? Someone knows do? what I did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the cigarette. It's almost like it's a. Like she's terrified, but it's almost like she's getting some kind of pleasure calling him out. Sexual on it. gratification out of it, yes. Yeah. There is something very, very sexual about this scene. And if you notice too, when she's hangs up for the final time, she puts her head back almost in an orgasmic fashion. Mm-hmm. Like she's on the bed, the way she's dialing very slow. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, looking at it now, like, it's almost like he's kind of dancing because he, this has never happened before. And now he's kind of like, kind of getting into the whole cat and mouse thing. Yeah. I mean, he's yes, not yes, in control. Yeah, he's uneasy, but it's, it's almost like it's exciting for both of them. Uh, I don't know if it's too exciting for him, but. He is used to being the the manipulator. Um, mm -hmm. He's used to being the one on the phone, uh, causing panic and terror. And right. now the, the tables are turned. He doesn't know how to handle. Also, it was interesting too. The director said in. Um, in the script, I don't really think that he had. I don't really think, or what? Um, Stop calling me! Stop calling me! I'd be scared. Yeah, seriously. But she is nonplussed. Um, no, um, I think that the director was. I think he knew, uh, oh, fuck. I wish I could remember this story a little better, but, and I only just watched the interview yesterday, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't be expected, but, um, and you don't no, know I don't all, think huh? that he was <laughs> sure who he was going to cast as the killer, but he knew John from that other, that, that frat house movie that I told you about. And mm. so John called the director and he said something really obscene. I don't know what it was because they beeped it, which I found unusual on supplemental materials on a Blu-ray. Right. But they beeped it, and um, the director said that he was very unnerved. Wow. He was he was creeped. Damn, that must have been. And vulgar. then he found out that it was John playing a joke on him, and uh, he hired him. <laughs> <to kill> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Just give it your all the second you step, step, step in the building, right? Mm. And now he's uneasy about 
kidnapping another victim. Well, I think... Um... Again, this this is part and parcel with him not knowing what to do with himself, and this is the only way that he knows how to relieve his relieve the tension. Right, right. This girl is so flash dance. <laughs> and I never saw that movie. You're not missing much. And this weird leg thing that she does. I don't know what the hell that was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think it was like a hot dance move in the 80s. Maybe. And the blindfold, I don't... Yeah, that was weird. It was, it was very... It seemed like it was an attempt at interpretive disco dance. I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Artistic stripping. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps this was, you know, because that was what Demi Moore's character did in uh, Striptease. So yeah. She tried to make her dance routines a little more interesting. So maybe <laughs> that's, that's, she was, uh, she was Demi Moore ahead of her time. That's, that's what this was. I can't, does he, he kills her too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's right. another off-screen kill. Okay. Couldn't remember for a second. And come on, people. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's another bit of irony, too, because he gets her while she's in the shower, and he breaks the glass door. That's right. That's right. To get right. to her. And then at the end of the movie, he's the one who's going through the glass door when he gets shot. Mm. So he gets the tables turned on him all over the place in this movie. Nice, I like it. <clears throat> Excuse me. See there, there goes the right. shower door. Oh god, that'd be terrifying to see. I was touched most by the victim's parents I talked to. I don't think there's any way for me to convey the pain and sense. That's a lot of purple. <laughs> And it's not just until tomorrow's news overshadows these tragedies. It's for the rest of their lives. This segment is at an end, but the story is... See, and the men, too, at the at the station really aren't taking her seriously either. The effort has to be made right. And... Before another innocent woman falls prey. This is Jane Harris reporting. Back to you, Roger. Is it... Wait, oh no, it already happened. But she, because uh, at the very beginning, you know, she interrupts the other anchor's segment to continue to stress how important it is for for people to take this seriously. And um, right, then she 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 does something similar again during another another broadcast and one of the producers in the booth just says there she goes again yeah I think that it either happened at this point or the moment before but yeah and everybody think that she's just being uber paranoid about just they think that she's paranoid they're just like they're, no dude and come I on. think it's because because she's a woman that's that's what it is at the end of the day. It's because she's a woman. They're not taking her seriously. Right. 
All right. I mean, I can understand why the hardcore feminists had such an issue with that aspect, but, you know, at the end of the day, who stops the killer? Who is the strongest character in the movie? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Who is the smartest character in like, the movie? It... And like I said you before, know. too, the women in the movie, uh, the who are the victims, they don't just run and hide... They call the police. They call their friends. You know, they do. They extricate right. from themselves from the situation. Yeah, they're not just they're silly, not, stupid girls just you know running up not the stairs. They're they're not they're not going to hide somewhere. Mm-mm. No, they you don't know, make themselves sitting ducks. And that's that's one of many reasons why this is in my top 10 my sl- favorite slashers because it has a lot more heart than many of the movies of this time did um, right not, not just with the 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 story and the and the performances but these all these subtle nuances and yeah the way it's it's directed it um very stylistically like i said and even though um siskel hated the movie he's he did praise the director for his contribution to it right for having a, a smart female protagonist yeah and for having a good um a well-executed vision right and then Ebert, of course, Mr. You know, anti-horror everything. <laughs> um, he was saying he said uh, how it, how sad it was that these are the kinds of movies that you have to make in order to be an accomplished director in Hollywood, and he. Uh, uh, had this assumption that Ken Wiederhorn probably had a better movie that he really wanted to make in his back pocket and he was taking the necessary steps in order to get there. Right. So in order to make a more artistic film, you have to get your feet wet in trash, basically. This from the guy who did uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I, You know, that... Uh, that is the irony of all ironies. It's like no matter how many movies you trash, you're still the guy who did Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So you don't have any room to talk. I don't think I saw that one. You don't want to. You really don't want to. Three girls come to Hollywood to make it big, but find only sex, drugs, and sleaze. Yeah, sounds like my kind of movie. <laughs> And movies with but, sex, know, drugs, and sleaze are the that's the name of the game. Movies with sex, drugs, and sleaze are the movies that Ebert always looked down his nose upon. Right. Oh boy. God, I love this whole ending sequence. It's just it's very oh, and the puppy. Hmm. I. 
I think that's uh, what pissed me off the most. <laughs> uh, they better not have killed a dog on set. Ah, uh, I don't know. That better I, that better be either a fake dog or one very well trained dog. I would. Uh, I I don't know. To tell you the truth, um, anything about what they did to to make the dog appear as such, but I would like to believe that it's it's yeah. a fake dog. I'm hoping that it was Me a too. fake dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm choosing Me to too. believe that it was a fake dog. All right, we're going to stay till the end credits and make sure that no animals were harmed during the making of this movie. <laughs> I don't think they did that. They no. They put that of, uh, uh, disclaimer back, back then. Well, I mean, in NeverEnding Story, they actually drown that horse, which is atrocious. Well, they also killed all those dogs and cats in uh, The Adventures of Milo and Otis. Oh my God, I never saw that. Well, that was, um, I think, a Japanese film. Milo and Otis? And, yeah. Really? It by, yeah, it was done by a Japanese company or Japanese director. Ah. And, um, yeah, um, a lot of kittens and a lot of pugs died during the making of the movie because they would either mm-hmm. drown... During the waterfall sequence, or um, the pug broke his leg, and oh my know. god! So yeah, they just they just went through them. That's horrible. It is, and it was a movie that I loved when I was a kid. It's like okay, now I could never ever watch that movie. Again. Right, like knowing what happens. I've never seen it. And I've always wanted to, but now I can't. Not in good conscience. And when you look at it, you would never think, because it's a very sweet movie. Mm-hmm. Ew. Forcing a kiss on her. That's so gross. God, I mean, she just does it so well. Like, she has that... That stare. Vulnerability. Yeah. And she's never been in this situation before. She doesn't know how to fight. Right. And the only thing that she can really think to do when he tries to touch her is to push his hand back. You know? Mm-hmm. And to try to keep it there. That's like the best that she can think to do in that moment. Right. Because inside, I would think that she's freaking out because... She can't hear him. She can't see him. So she doesn't know how she's going to handle this. Right. And that is all conveyed beautifully in her performance. Yeah, seriously. Like, she's trying to get him off, but she's feeling around. Then she grabs the coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, use your your surroundings. Use your surroundings and make them work for you. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but that... When she's, you know, just making the plate of food and he's moving it away. That's so freaking creepy. It's, it's, 
creepy, but it's also incredibly cruel. Yeah. And it just goes to show how sadistic this guy is. I know, like messing with a blind person? My God. And it's, it's not only the fact that he's doing, he's messing with her the way that he is, but he's enjoying it. You can yeah. see it in his face that he's relishing this moment to being in this position of power and to mm-hmm. taunt her the way that he does. And the scene that's coming up when he throws her on the bed and he rips her shirt is when her vision starts to come back. And that moment when she looks at him and she realizes that she can, or she starts to be able to see him. That is the moment that always led me to believe that he was the one who abducted her. Because it's not just, I can see you. It's, I know you. Right. That it comes through in her performance. And I don't know if that was intentional or not. I mean, every interpret everybody's interpretation is their own, you know. I mean, it is very well implied that he could be. But I, you know, as I mentioned over the phone, like I saw it as something so traumatic happened to her when she was so little, she couldn't fight back. And like now something equally traumatic is happening to her again her body is saying like no not this time like you need to do something here's your sight back you know get this motherfucker Mm -hmm. but it is very it is very well implied that you know he could have been the one that done that did this all those years ago you know and now is her chance to fight him and defeat him Oh my god, this part's just uh, when he's opening the closet and she's just standing there, no idea. Like, oh my god. And she can't scream, too. That's right. the thing. When she starts to get her vision back, that is when her voice comes back, too. There it is. She is so vulnerable in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, get uh, over there. Tracy. Another thing that I th- always thought made the ending so... Um, powerful is the scene after the fact when she shoots him and she sees herself in the mirror for the first time Mm -hmm. um that was her idea by the way she went to the director with that and at first he didn't want to do it and then i think after thinking about it he went ahead with it but, you know, she said that that's probably what, you know, she would do. 
I would think, especially if she's in that position where she's seeing her face and she's seeing her br and when she leans over into the glass and she kind of touches her face like is that me mm -hmm. right like and because i mean she hasn't seen herself since she was eight years old so that's a solid decade you know she's she grown up she's her, a woman yeah now. she hasn't seen her face she hasn't seen her breasts you know she doesn't she doesn't know herself but this is totally halloween right here when she's outside when she's outside the the bedroom leaning up against the door frame um i mean that's exactly what lori did when um after the closet scene in halloween you know she stands up leaning against the door frame kind of like tilts her head up against the wall and that's when it comes in from behind her and starts choking her. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Little nod. But I think in that one, in Halloween, you're, I think you're expecting it a little more. Um, here, it's, I think it's, it's, because there's no sound cues there's really nothing right um you're and just kind of waiting for jane to come back right i mean you you know what's gonna happen but it have it doesn't the focus is solely on her that when it does happen it surprises you you know because in halloween you see michael you know sit back up Given you that major implication that he's coming. Come on, come on! Boom! Right in the head. <laughs> Poetic justice. Lauren has this look on her face after she shoots them that it's like she's in such shock that she just killed him that it doesn't even look like her mm-hmm <laughs> that's so crazy that how the blood's just trickling out I know that was a very creepy effect Aww. I like her struggle too there. She she's still after she says Jane, she's still trying to talk. Right. She's she's trying to remember how to speak. <clears throat> God, I would hate to lose my voice. Mm. I mean, I enjoy, you know, good moments of silence like anybody else, but to not have the option to speak, yeah, that would uh, that'd be horrible. 
Well, that was Eyes of a Stranger. It was indeed. And 40 years. And I think it holds up quite well. It does. It's genuinely creepy. It's very, yeah, very. It's gonna, it's gonna piss off somebody as always, but mm. you know, you've got your final girls at the end, so. Mm. And I like that it's a psychological. I love psychological thrillers. You know, it's, it just has that, like, ooh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Lastly. Yeah. Very, Coconut very Grove well Hotel. Way, I think. Oh, that was a hotel? Indeed. I I guess so. Premium Window Products of Miami. <laughs> huh. Interesting. I found the director on Facebook some years ago. Um because I had been wanting to move to down to Miami for a number of years, and I knew it was probably mm -hmm. never going to happen. But I wanted to take at least a trip down there, and uh, it was my ex and me were planning on one, and we ended up breaking up before it actually happened. But I found the director on on Facebook and I sent him a message because I wanted to know where some of the of the scenes were filmed and, and I wanted to know where the high rise was. Mm -hmm. Um but he never responded. <laughs> that punk. Well you should still try and get down there. Florida's worth visiting at least once i would love to i don't i don't i don't see it happening anytime soon but <laughs> hopefully one day indeed but until then yes people if you have not checked it out put your eyeballs on it it's a lot of fun absolutely and I'm very, very happy that it finally got a Blu-ray release. So kudos to Scream Factory for finally putting it out. I can't say how the transfer looks, but I'm hoping it looks good. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that it, they didn't fuck it up the way they fucked up Slumber Party Massacre 3. Ah. That's something that I will never forgive them for. Never. I'm sorry. Because it's my favorite movie and they completely fucked it up. <laughs> and by the way, I was going to give them like kind of a, um, a, a send them a facetious tweet. Um, because, you know, obviously the, the remake is, well, they, they announced recently, well, actually a few days ago. I don't remember what website it was, but they said, oh, the um, whatever the company was, it's a 
they uh, released the official plot summary for the Slumber Party Massacre remake. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing, literally. It's They said it's basically, you know, an updated version of a, 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 a mass murder with a portable drill crashing a girl's slumber party. Well, that's like, lame. Uh, I mean, if you're going to remake a movie, like, make it your own. Try and tell the well, story in a different way. Well, I think they are. There, they, there are going to be some things that are that are different because um, I was looking at the at the cast and there are there's going to be some flashbacks um, because there's a there's a little girl in it who's cast to play um, the lead girl at a younger age. So uh-huh. there pro- there's probably going to be some more depth to the to the story because the original is very very straightforward oh yeah but i was i was gonna say i was gonna send uh scream factory a tweet and say you know now that you have the new slumber party massacre remake coming out do you think you're gonna put out a better release for the uh for part three on blu-ray yeah might, might be nice think about it Oh. But you haven't heard back. No, I didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> I don't need, I don't, you know, they're not going to answer anyway. Because yeah. I, I, I tweeted them a few times and said, and asked nicely, I said, do you think they'll ever be a better transfer of the movie in the future? And they haven't responded, or they never responded. And before... Though they were the go-tos for all of the uh, 4K transfers and the new remasters of these older movies that didn't really get um, the best treatment from either DVD releases or didn't get DVD releases at all. And Mm -hmm. now it's the much smaller companies like Vinegar Syndrome um, and Severin Films who Hmm. are doing these really, really polished um editions of uh lesser known films um right and i think they're kind of uh putting uh scream factory out of bed. scream factory puts out a lot of mainstream stuff that's yeah. that's basically where they are right now it's like okay let's do a um a new 4k transfer of pet cemetery 2 or <laughs> fucking you know hellraiser or something it's like okay haven't we right and, it's, and they keep reissuing the same movies that's that's what annoys me well yeah so. i mean why why bother doing that over and over again like i don't know that's just a little asinine oh it is but anyway so that was Eyes of a Stranger. Yes, Jennifer Jason Lee before she did before she, way before she was in Single White Female. <laughs> I think that yes, was the first thing I ever saw her I, in. Me too. And <laughs> that was and that's another one of my favorite thrillers. Nice. She's she's 
she's great in that one. I would like to do a commentary for that as well. I, I've been thinking about it. And um, the book, especially because the book is so vastly different. I did not know it was a book. Yeah, John Lutz wrote it. He did. He wrote a lot of a lot of thrillers. Nice. But yeah, they made a lot of changes in the movie. I think for the better. I don't. I I didn't really like the book very much. Um, huh. And one thing. Usually, it's that, the other way around. Yeah, but one thing that really stood out to me. Um, in in the book was uh, that I thought that they did better in the movie was um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character cuts her hair and dyes it to look like um, Bridget Fonda's character in the book she just has a wig mm-hmm. that she puts on when she wants to go out to look like her I just thought that was right. Kind of, eh. Yeah, but, I think it's much more dramatic and effective and creepier to actually give yourself the hairstyle. Yeah, because she's and she buys all all her same clothes. Because mm-hmm. um, she's she's trying to become her, but she's at the same time trying to become her twin. Right. So, yeah, I think the movie is a lot more um, in in depth than the book which is ironic yeah right but um well that'll have to be an episode soon that'll be oh yeah that would be good i would like to do that and maybe the sequel too as bad as it is there's a sequel yeah straight to video (laughs) ah that's probably why Straight to video, and it has Kristen Miller in it, who I, who I, I generally I enjoy her. Um, that was a bad movie. It's very um, Lifetime movie. <laughs> oh jeez. But um, yeah. So we should wrap this up because I am sure that Lester wants to go for a walk. Yeah. And I'm well, getting a little sleepy too. Yeah, me too. This is the latest I've been up in a few days. Ah. So, so, thank you for joining me again. It's always a pleasure to have you. It's always a lot of fun. And um, thank you for having me. We are going to have to get together again very soon to finish out the Child's Play series. I know. I know. We will. We will. all right do you have any last words james i do not i don't yeah no (laughs) watch the movie and go adopt some animals because there's still a lot out there that need good homes absolutely okay all right well thanks everybody for listening uh, for staying to the bitter bitter end and until next time this is brandon ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams